looking, we've been looking at missions and uh, what God's heart is for, for missions over this last month. And today we, um, uh, if we turn to Matthew chapter 25, Matthew 25. And next week we've got lots of baptisms. They're all in the news sheets. So it's going to be fun. Come along and baptisms at every service next week. Matthew chapter 25 and verses 31 to 46. And here our call to care for the least is, is put in the context of the coming judgment of God. So let's, uh, let me read this as we read together. Matthew 25 and verses 31 to 46. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate them as a shepherd separates the sheep and the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will tell them, I assure you, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me anything to drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you gave me no clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I assure you, when you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you are refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. Let's pray together. God, we, your people, are gathered this morning. And we come before you today knowing that you're our God, that you're our Father, and that we've come to know you through Jesus Christ. God, this morning as we read that passage, we recognise that you are coming again. That one day you will come and one day you will judge. Oh God, we want to be ready. We want to be ready for that day. And we want to stand before you knowing that our lives and the things that we have done in our lives are pleasing to you. Jesus, thank you for all you've done for us, for dying on the cross, for rising again, for forgiving us of our sins, for living in our lives each day. As we continue to live each day in the power of your Holy Spirit, 
Help us to be those that just love others in the way that you love. God, help us to be those that care for other people today. God, we want to pray for those that are recovering from operations. God, we think of Graham Curry. God, we think of those that are preparing for operations. And we lift up Kim Baker this week. And we lift up uh, Kathy and Aaron Kennedy. Oh God, we would pray that your love and your care and your presence would be right with these people and that you would strengthen them. God, we pray for Kathy for her uh, tumour being removed. We pray that that would be removed successfully and that the results would be so uh, surprising to us. God, would you be working powerfully, we pray. Bring quick recovery. God, uh, we thank you for her and we commit her to your care. And God, we want to pray that today as we come and worship, that you would be with those in Malawi, those far from us and less fortunate, and that you would be letting them know of our love and by that, that they would know that you love them. God, we pray for John and Angela Wilmot and we just pray that you would be um, encouraging them as we seek to give to them today. Oh God, take the little that we have and use it for your purposes and for your glory. God, we're here to worship you. Speak to us, challenge us. Lead us today, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to continue to worship God together. Well, I wonder if you have ever had the same experience that I have had, waking up in the morning and wishing I had used my time completely differently in the week prior or in the weeks prior. This happened especially at exam time for me. I would wake up and I would pray that Jesus would return before my exam. <laughs> I would wish that I had used my time differently because there was coming a moment when the exam would be given out and I would be tested on all that I know and I wished that I'd prepared better for that um, moment. You ever had that experience? I remember uh, one night when I was in primary school, I'm really uh, sharing more of myself with you as I continue to preach, um, but I remember having this dream that the bell rang at primary school and I was out in the corridor in my underpants <laughs> and everybody came out and I hid amongst the bags, you know, and trying to hide from everybody. And I, uh, as I reflect on that dream, I think, at that time, I must have felt unprepared for all the things and getting caught off guard and having to hide in that kind of thing. You know, it's a terrible feeling, isn't it? Knowing that there's something that's coming and the call to be prepared is, is so urgent and yet finding yourself unprepared. It's terrible, isn't it? Well, Jesus, in Matthew 25 talked about a day that's coming, the judgment day. He'd been talking about it in the chapter prior 
and he'd been talking about it in the verses prior and he'd been saying to his disciples who he was talking to that they needed to be ready for this day. He was saying that they really uh, should be prepared for the day when Jesus will come again and judge the world. Earlier in chapter 24, he'd been talking about the signs that they could look for to know that his coming was close. Uh, Also, he'd talked about 10 kind of um, bridesmaids and how they were waiting for the bridegroom to appear and they went out at night and they five of them didn't prepare. They weren't prepared. They didn't have the oil ready and so they had to go back and get the oil so that their lamps could keep, keep burning. And to their horror, while they were gone, the, bride, the bridegroom arrived and they missed the opportunity. They were unprepared. The bell was ringing and they were caught in their underpants. You know, it's a horrible thing. And Jesus goes on in the, in, in, earlier in this um, passage in chapter 25 where the passage is prior. He talks about the, serv- the master who gave his servants some talents and they all went out and one of the uh, people that was given some money sort of didn't think that there was going to be a day of judgment that would come. He took the money and he acted as though he would never have to give account. That there would never be a day of judgment that would come. And what a horror when the master returned and called him to account. Uh, The theme had been building as Jesus was talking to his disciples in Matthew chapter 25. And it sort of reaches a crescendo here at the end of this chapter. When Jesus starts to talk about the final judgment. Jesus uh, spoke more about this judgment than anyone else. In fact, in the book of Matthew, the topic of judgment is one that is often uh, dominating the book's theme. Jesus is love. Uh, Jesus is is a person of great love. God is love. Therefore, the reason that he keeps dealing with the theme of judgment is that he loves us so much that he wants us to know what's coming. He has more to say on the Bible, uh, on, the hell, on hell than anyone else in the Bible, Jesus. These things are real and Jesus loves us so much that he didn't want to keep them from us. He wanted to warn us so that we could be prepared. And the judgment at that time, there'll only be one judge. There'll only be one who will judge. And our time for making decisions is now, not then. You know, there's uh, going to be a time when we either die or a time when Jesus returns. And his return or our death kind of crystallises our position forever. You know, there's no time after that to change our mind. And Jesus now begins in this passage to actually talk about the actual judgment. And the question is, you know, is this a a parable like the ones before or is this kind of like a real description of what's going to be taking place? Because he's talked about parables before. But it seems that here Jesus is actually describing 
something that's going to take place in the future. He's describing this day of judgment. He's speaking about it and he's telling us about it. He's giving us a glimpse of what it's going to be like on that day when Jesus is judging. You know, we like to hear the weather forecast, don't we? Uh, we, we find out what it's going to be like tomorrow. And if it's going to be, if we found out that tomorrow is going to be snow in Wodonga, you know, we would dress appropriately, wouldn't we? Or if it's going to be 40 degrees, we'd get the shorts on and we'd, we'd get all ready. And so Jesus here gives us a glimpse so that we can get ready for this day that's going to be happening. He, he's uh, saying, this is what's going to be happening, so be prepared. So today, people of Wodonga Baptists, You're free to reject Jesus. You're free to ignore God. You're free to make your decisions. But when the great day comes of judgment, when that day happens, there'll only be one person that will be making decisions. And that person will be Jesus. And it seems that our time for deciding then will have come to an end. It'd be too late. So Jesus is here warning the people about the coming day and saying, be ready, make a decision, get ready. And here it says that when the Son of Man comes in his glory, all the angels and all the angels with him, he will sit upon his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered in his presence. Uh, On that day, nations will be gathered before Jesus. That means that kind of every person that ever lived will be there through the whole of history. Every human being will stand before Jesus on that day. And all who have died uh, and all those that are alive at the moment when he comes, they'll be gathered there. We don't know how. We're not told how that will happen. All that we need to know is that it's going to happen. And the judge will confirm the decisions people have made throughout their lives. His people, he will pull to one side. And to the other side will be people that are not his people. The theme of separation comes through strong here. Uh, All through the book of Matthew, Jesus has been talking about uh, wise builders and foolish builders. He's been talking about the the narrow way and the wide path. He's been talking about uh, the wheat and the tares, the two workers who were separated, the two women who were separated, the bridesmaids, five that were there and five that were unprepared, the, the, the servants, some that reckoned that they would have to give account of what they've been given and were ready. And now it reaches here this crescendo where Jesus says, uses this illustration of the sheep and the goats. He uses an um, illustration of a shepherd who would separate uh, their flocks by grazing and by uh, coming back at night. Often what would happen in Palestine in these, these days was that if there wasn't 
enough sheep to have one shepherd they would combine the flocks of the goats and the sheep into one and they would, the one shepherd would look after both sheep and goats in the one flock. But when they would get to the place where they would graze, uh, sheep and goats had different needs, so they would separate them and off they would go and eat in their different places and, and do that. Then the shepherd would gather them together, come back home at night and I'm told that uh, goats you know, needed to be in a warmer environment at night so they would separate them again and they would do that. Other people have said that the time they would separate them was when it came to shearing as well. Um, this was something that was common in the thoughts of shepherds. Different needs. They come together for some purposes and are separated. On what basis was Jesus going to decide uh, who it is that belonged to him and whose not going to belong to him. Many people uh, look at this uh, passage and they say, oh, it's those that do good works are the ones that will be his. It's those that actually go and do all these good things that will be saved. But this is not just about being nice people, this passage. You see, it says here in verses 34 then the king will say to those on his right the sheep come you who are blessed by my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world um, the ultimate basis then is not something we can earn you see we can't earn our place in heaven Jesus describes uh, our place there as an inheritance. See, come and uh, receive the inheritance. And inheritances aren't earned, are they? I mean, you're given something. You inherit something, not because you've earned it or deserved it, but it comes purely as a gift to you and it's given to you. Inherited. No, uh, no child plans for that but it's given because their relationship to the person who's giving it. You know, we've not earned our salvation, but it comes through knowing Jesus. It comes through having a relationship with him, through understanding that Jesus has taken his pun our, our punishment, our penalty for our sin and putting our trust in him. And as we put our faith in him, then we receive the gift of eternal life. So it's not something we do, but it's something we believe. It's something we respond to. It's something by faith. We, we put our trust in Jesus Christ and we receive the inheritance of that coming to us. And then, when we open our hearts to the love of God, when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour, out of that flows a life. A life lived of love for others, for caring for others. And that love is not the cause of our salvation. That's not what causes us to be saved and to be one of the sheep. But it's an outworking of our relationship to the Father through Jesus Christ. Where that all that we do now flows out from receiving his love. 
and loving others. The life that we Christians live is one of goodness and kindness and caring for others. Out of us flow love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control as God's spirit is at work within us and his fruit is shown in our lives. Many people have wondered about who it is that we show this kindness to. Who is it, the ones that we are caring for and comforting? Um, Later on in the passage, it says, um, when you did it for the least of one of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it for me. Now, debate has raged about who these brothers and sisters were. Some people say it's just everybody, you know, who's poor and sick um, in the whole world. It doesn't matter who they are. And the Bible teaches that, doesn't it? You know, when we talked about the Good Samaritan and how it was the enemy of, of the Samaritan and yet the Samaritan still cared for that person. And other people have said, no, look here, it's, it's, it's clearly that this is not everybody because Jesus is saying, my brothers and sisters. And how could Jesus say my brothers and sisters to people who weren't even part of him? Well, I think Jesus is talking about us caring for primarily for for Christians who are in need. But I think the application goes wider to care for everybody because we're all made in the image of God. Uh, The Good Samaritan story shows that everybody uh, is precious to God and that he wants us to love uh, everybody. But showing primacy for those who are followers of Christ. So I think that's the principal application of this passage and this is what he's, he says, that we're to be people that are compassionate and care. But you see, the point of the passage is not who are the people we should show kindness to, but it's that we show kindness to the least of these. It's that we care for people. It's that that we show love. So, Jesus says, For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Jesus said that right throughout our lives we're going to have suffering and tribulation until Jesus comes. So there's going to be hard times ahead for Christians no matter what. There's going to be times when we're going to struggle There's going to be times where the church in Australia is going to struggle. Um, We're told of that. And many people are going to turn away from uh, the faith. Many people who are our friends, who have been followers of Christ, are going to turn away as as time continues on. And some will grow cold in their faith and some will go stronger and stronger in their love for Jesus. And in the end... um, there's going to be things that will happen amongst the church all the time and there'll be opportunities for us to care and to love one another. So people are going to get sick. And our response to people who are, our, uh, who are loved ones, who are followers of Christ, is to care for them greatly when they're sick. To be able to seek to love them and to be there for them and to support them. There'll be people that will lose their jobs who are... Uh, followers of Christ. There'll be people that will know poverty and struggle 
There'll be people that will end up in prison. There will be people that will be constantly um, part of God's family who will be out caring for all of these people constantly and giving them all that we can to help them. Now, who's the stranger that uh, Jesus is talking about here? Well, a stranger is someone who we've never met before, you know, someone we don't know. And in Palestine, there were very few inns, very few places um, where, where people um, could stay the night. They didn't have motels like we had, have here. Um, but they were not nice places to go, these inns where you got there. And when people travelled, they travelled from village to village. And, and, and when they went, they tried to find someone who they knew in that village and they tried to make contact with them and see if they could look after them. Hopefully that person would then take them in and then um, what would happen is um, they would be cared for and loved by fellow Christians. You know, we have this happening all the time here at Wodonga because there are people that are coming to the area and sometimes they're people that are studying and uh, they ring up and they say, have you got a place? Part of what uh, Phil and Grace does is connect uni students to try and help them meet each other through our news sheet and other things so they can find other Christians that can stay together and help each other. We had a call from a lady not long ago who just was coming to Wodonga from a rural area with her kids and said, could you put us up overnight? And uh, is there someone with a big house in the church? And uh, we opened up the house, saved hundreds of dollars in motel fees and, and looking by caring for people around. I think, though, the application too here is that we're not only to, call for, to care for people who are in need who are followers of Christ, but people too who are strangers but need some place to stay. Uh, not everyone. You know, we can't, if we had to respond to every need we can, but I think when Jesus puts people in our ways, we've got to be open to be able to care for them and love them. Uh, so the stranger was someone that Jesus called us to care for and to look after. You know, um, it was great here on just Friday night where when people from all over Albury Wodonga who are Christians came for Sons of Korah and you felt like, I don't know these people, but they're obviously Christians from other churches and there's a real bond there knowing them. And even though they're strangers, there's a closeness that we open up to people and share with them because we share that same faith. And when people who aren't Christians see that love, it's attractive to them. When Jesus talks of clothing the naked here, he's speaking of those who are, are poor and they're so poor that they're unable to buy proper clothing. We don't have people that are so poor that they can't buy clothes here in our church. But we have people that really struggle to put food on the table and we want to help. We have people that are going through different stages in their life. Maybe they've just had a child or they're going through something and we try and provide food for them so they don't have to spend a lot of time cooking meals and helping them in that way. But you know how much this, this too shows? How do we care about those over in Malawi uh, you know, who are struggling to, to plant crops because the rainfall's so small? Well, today we've got these opportunities we give to show our love for Jesus by loving them, by giving to them. It's a way that we go out and help them in that way. Uh, sometimes just giving is great. Praying for them is great too. 
of being willing to learn more about them so we can pray and go and encourage people like John Wilmot and other people. One of the things that is important about actually being able to help people that are hungry and thirsty and people that haven't got enough to live is you need to know their needs before you can help them, don't you? And one of our biggest problems is we just run so fast that we don't have enough time to sit down and listen to people and love them and care for them. So this is what the call is to do, is to know and love people enough, care about people enough that you can actually meet their needs. Now, in the Roman Empire, prisons were a terrible place and when even Christians ended up in prison for persecution and trouble and trials, Paul ended up in, in prison, but he was so blessed when people came and ministered to him and helped him. You know, Jesus is saying, care for those that are in places uh, like that are in prison, especially those who are in prison from their faith, people that are persecuted, people that are struggling, people that are in trouble. I know many people pray for the persecuted church in this church. The Voice of the Martyrs and other organisations help us know how to care for them. But care for people in our local place who are in prisons too. There's a team, as I mentioned last week, that goes and helps people in prisons. It's caring for the least that Jesus is on about. People get sick. People are handicapped. People need help. And the church is supposed to function in such a way that the moment someone is sick, Others are sharing the load. I went and visited someone in hospital just not long ago and it was just so exciting to me to think that I found out that they were sick. But by the time that I got there, there was this small group had all visited them and other people were visiting them and there were even other sick people in the hospital that were visiting them as well from other wards. And I think that's what it's all about. You see, the church is not supposed to be a place that is so structured and organised that only the paid people care for people. Where we see God is at work and the love of Jesus is real is when everybody is caring for each other. In small groups that happens where love and care is shown amongst a group of people that look after each other's needs. Um, in, in the church that's shown when people are welcomed and greeted here on Sundays in a way that is genuine and loving, when people spend time to say g'day to people they don't know. Uh, it's seen in the way that we care for people at work and in places like that when we notice that someone's hurting, know that someone um, might be suffering and we reach out and help. This shows that our faith comes from the heart and not from a sense of responsibility or duty in doing what we feel God's you know, would, that we should do to earn it, but a genuine love that comes from him. So these are the ones that Jesus says, I was in prison and you visited me. And then people are surprised. They think, when would, when did we ever do that? When we were hungry, when we were doing that, you know, when, when, when did we do that? And he said, well, whenever you did it for the least of these, whenever you helped one of those that were hungry, whenever you helped one of those that were in prison, whenever you shared for those that were the least, you helped me. So they come and they receive the joy of the outworking of their trust in Jesus Christ and the demonstration of that in their lives. They receive the rewards. Then Jesus turns to those on his left. And he turns to them and he says, away with you. Away with you because you haven't cared for those who were hurting. You haven't cared for those who were hungry and you didn't feed those that were away. 
you know, what's happening here is Jesus is seeing the evidence of those that treated Jesus' people hostile during their lives. The marks of those that do not belong to Jesus are seen and are obvious. They ignore the needs around them. Simple acts of kindness that aren't done, but they're not done at all. They're neglected. And it shows that they were never part of God's family. God's people were nothing to these people. An example of this is when Lazarus and the rich man, and the rich man didn't even notice Lazarus at his gate. The the man who was leprous and, and, and uh, poor and he just ignored him and walked past him. All, he, he had a lot of money and yet he couldn't even help him a little bit with a little bit of food. He thought he was just insignificant but Lazarus was a person who was precious to God and he ignored him. Every person that we meet is precious to God and Jesus calls us in this passage to be those that respond to those needs. Again, they say, when did we ever neglect you? When did we ever surprise you? And he says, well, when you did it to the least of these, when you ignored them, you were refusing to help me. And then the most chilling part of the whole section is that Jesus says, then they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. Jesus wants us to care for the least. Not so that we can earn salvation, but to show that he's alive within us. The love that he has given us, we are showing to others. The love that he's cared for us with and helping us, he wants to pass on to other people. And at the end of the day, judgment will come to how much the evidence of his love has been at work in our lives how much we've known him, how much we've demonstrated this love. You know, I find these passages so challenging for me as a pastor because I'm paid to care. I'm paid to be someone who loves people. But the challenge for me is to love people not just because I'm paid but to really love people all the time. But it's the same for you. You can think I'm coming to church each week, I'm reading my Bible, I'm doing that. I'm going to be right. But the care is not just to, the, the challenge is not just to care because other people will notice, but to really care because you're receiving the love of God and loving Him. Well, we're going to give uh, in just a few moments. And it's just one way. I want you to notice it's not big amounts of giving that Jesus is highlighting here. It's just the natural caring for people in quiet ways that no one notices. You know, they're surprised that this is Jesus they've been ministering to. But we're going to seek to help the poor today. And we're going to seek to live lives that genuinely love others wherever we see need, especially to the least. So let's pray now. God, we want to thank you for your challenges. Oh, you speak so clearly to us about life and about what our lives are heading towards. God, we thank you that we know you and we love you. God, we pray that the evidence of your love and your forgiveness and your work in our lives would be seen in acts of kindness that we show to other people. Help us to love the least. Let us not overlook the the poor, the suffering, the hurting. God, as we give today, 
as we give to the people of Malawi, as we seek to help them, would you be glorified? God, would you be at work in us? And Lord, as we care for people today in our family, in our church, in our small group, help us to demonstrate the love that you have showed us. So that on that last day, it would be obvious to all that your salvation has been at work in our hearts. Our sister in Jesus' name. Amen. Just love you now to take the blue cards out. That would be great. And if you could just put your name and details on there and if you could just um, respond, take a few moments to respond. Maybe you want to write something on the back or to do something. Let's just take a few moments to do that now.